3: Italiano.
4: Hello, good evening and welcome to the latest Sports Italian Football Podcast. Forgive me for my giggles. I am Connor Clancy. The reason I'm giggling is because of Vito Doria. Vito, wash your mouth out and keep your language clean, please.
5: Oh, well, I thought we were still off air, but then you switch the <laughs> record button on. And by the way, I actually do have some Listerine in my hotel room, so I can do that after the pod.
4: <laughs> um, since we last recorded, we've actually... Seen each other in person twice, obviously. We well, yeah. Wednesday yeah. for the
3: <laughs> our
4: little get together in Milan, and then you came down to parma to visit me, and we stayed out very very late, drinking a lot and playing some football, which was nice.
5: Yeah, some fun times, fun times. Yeah, yeah, definitely got to find a way to try and come back to Italy on a more permanent basis. So hopefully I can sort that out in the near future.
4: Yeah, we'll start working on that. Don't you worry. Um, also, joining me is the person I was trying to catch off guard, but he didn't work. He's wisened up to my tricks. His old age is serving him well in that regard. Kev, hello.
0: Hi, Connor. I don't swear.
4: <laughs> don't you?
0: <laughs> not enough.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Bear in mind, I have met you too off the pod. And I don't know for a fact that that's not true. Um, it's been a good weekend of football, hasn't it, Kev? It has, yes. Yeah, for me, it has, yeah. You've had a very good weekend, actually. I forgot that. Um, But let's focus on the Italian stuff. You got to write about Liverpool in an Italian context during the week, so I'm sure you're only dying to squeeze them in here, but you're not getting the chance. At least not to talk about the recent results, but you can talk about them in the 90s if you want. But um, there was some actual Italian football for us to just dive straight in with, and one of them was the Derby d'Italia. Surprise, surprise! You've are the best team in Italy. Kev, are you still smug about Inter, given that they they've come up with a big challenge for the first time this season? Lost and are no longer top of the table.
0: Yeah, no, I am because uh, I think the league isn't going to be lost on these two games. I think it did. I think it did wake it, uh, Inter up a little bit to what you know, how far off maybe being the all round team and you know having the experience that you've built over the last sort of. Well, nearly a decade. But um yeah, I think they can they can take solace in probably some things that didn't maybe go for them tonight. I thought Sensi's loss was was quite significant when, when he left and you know it was just one goal. It's not as if Juve have gone to the San Siro, walked away with say a three-nil victory. You know, they're still just a point ahead now. And um I think if Juve really, really push for the Champions League. I think that's where Inter can maybe sneak the league this year if they drop points in and around Champions League games this season.
4: Still going for it.
0: Still going for it.
4: Oh, you're a brave, brave, man. Vito, is Cap crazy? Oh, look, it's a, it's a big call. And,
5: <sighs> you know, just on social media, there's that use of the so-called contact fact. I think such a scenario, scenario is possible. That being said, Juve have been so dominant throughout this decade. It's a bold and brave prediction to suggest that Inter will finally take the title off them once and for all. Uh, Juventus showed that, you know, although they're still trying to adapt to Sarri's philosophy, they still have that individual quality that can just turn games around then get the result
4: in their favour. Yeah, this is it, isn't it? And Kev, your big thing for the last six weeks was, oh, Inter haven't lost, Inter haven't lost. Juve haven't lost.
0: No, I think more thing in the last few weeks is that they kept picking up picking up wins because there was a there was a period even under Spalletti where they would, you know, not lose. They'd grind out a draw, you know, they they keep that unbeaten run. Whereas Conte was getting them to do exactly what I needed to pick up that three points after three points after three points.
4: Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one. We saw in in the Premier League actually last season that it you can afford to lose games as long as you don't draw too many. Um, what was it? Wasn't it Manchester City lost a fair few games in England last year? And but they just never really drew, so they managed to get enough points that way. So maybe Inter can do that. Juve might be able to draw a few times this season and Inter will be able to sneak in. But the match winner today, Gonzalo in. Kev, I'm, I'm going to stick with you on this. He is a big game player. He, he has a reputation for always bottling it in these big games. And I think, all right, he never delivers in finals. But when it comes to big league games, you'll, you will pointed out on Twitter, you've got to go back five or six years to think of a, a time when he actually did let his club side down in a big league game.
0: Yeah, it was slightly tongue-in-cheek reference in the the penalty miss against Lazio. I think I think Higuain certainly does make the difference in enough games across the course of the season to be that in brackets a big game player. I think the problem the problem that he faces that he's made errors or missed chances, if you like, in in those big individual games, be it World Cup final, Copa America. That that's what people remember. Whereas over the course of the season there are maybe, you know, half a dozen big games where he is the he is the match winner, which which does make him that big game player. It's just unfortunate
3: for him.
4: It's a bit unfair and lazy on everyone's part that he has this reputation.
0: I don't I don't think it's lazy. I think it's the magnitude of those games that just makes it it puts it to the forefront of your consciousness that you remember them for that for that moment and it's it's just unfortunate, you know, but then also you you can say it's unfortunate. He's also he's missed those chances on those big on those big occasions. So he's almost brung it on himself if, in, a, in a certain way.
4: It is one of those things though. if you keep playing for top clubs in Argentina, you're going to play in more big games. So you will have more chances to to miss these big chances, I suppose. It's one of those things that it's always bothered me, Um, along with the perception that he doesn't work. Gonzalo, I mean, works harder than most number nines do. But, I don't know, because he has a tendency to put on a little bit of weight when he's not playing football and he's off for the summer. People decide that he's lazy and terrible, which he very, very much isn't. But another Argentine who scored, actually, there were all Argentines who scored. Kev, as you pointed out in your player ratings article, so well done for that. But on the other side of it, Lautaro Martinez, Vito, he's continuing to impress with every appearance this season. Well, he has thrived under Antonio Conte, and although
5: Conte is a guy who prefers hard-working players, uh, this uh, setup somehow allows Lautaro to be able to play his natural game. He is that kind of player to take players on, is mobile, he knows how to get into the right positions. And I think playing in a partnership, regardless if it's With Lukaku, like he did in tonight's game, or in other games, might be with Alexis Sanchez, I think just being in the duo really suits him much better. And under Conte, because he's also getting that regular playing time, I think he'll just continue to grow as a footballer.
4: Yeah, well, we saw at times last season Spalletti tried to use him in a, a front two or to play behind Icardi, and it never really quite worked. Do you think it's because of the nature of his relationship now, Kev, with Lukaku that it's different? Whereas when he was playing with Icardi, Icardi was very much the main player. Whereas now, Lukaku and Lautaro both bring very different things to Inter, but they're both equally as important as one another.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think Icardi needed the team to be focused around him. I think there was an element of selfishness that I think you get with every striker. But I mentioned last week that the, the three of them, Lukaku... Uh, Martinez and, and Alexis just look as though they could all interchange and and play very well together however Conte decides to use them
4: I was quite surprised to see latarro come off this evening um, Politano actually come on who is another good option for them but I just thought Latero was causing problems and I'm pretty sure that was still at, was it one each when he came off but anyway um, going to be a big season for him he's going to keep delivering and it's, it's good but anyway back to Juve because they did win um, I was quite impressed by Paolo Bala. He and Cristiano Ronaldo showed, Vito, you know, that they can actually combine together and it can work.
5: Uh, de- definitely. I think that under Max Allegri, he, the two of them probably did not fit in very well. And it was also, I suppose, dependent on how Allegri set up the team or picked these formations. Although, like I said, that uh, Sarri ball is not really in full effect as yet, I do believe that a coach like Sarri is capable of making two attacking players like them work in a team and make them function properly. And I do see that DiBala is playing a bit better under Sarri. So we'll see as the season progresses if Ronaldo and DiBala can Create some understanding, and perhaps to the point that they become telepathic.
4: Yeah, Kev DiBala has a big role to play on the Sari. Agreed.
5: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: He, he, they seem to. There's been a few games where that that relationship with Ronaldo is really sort of looking like it's going to bear fruit as the as the season progresses.
4: I'm going to stick with you. Um, look at the Juventus team. Right? Get it up in front of you, because I've got it up in front of me. If we'd sat in, I don't know, the last week of the transfer window and said that when Juve's biggest game of the season so far come along, they would start with Juan Cuadrado at right back, Bonucci and De Ligt at centre-back, Blaise Matuidi and Sami Khedira in midfield, and Federico Bernardeschi playing behind Paola Di Bala up top. You wouldn't have believed it. And it shows the depth that Juve have that they've beaten Inter, who were top before this game, with what's not their strongest starting eleven.
0: No, I I couldn't work out because I obviously watched the game this evening. I don't remember seeing Bernadeski in the first half, and I put that in my report. I thought Juan Guidado, <laughs> yeah, I'll get that one. <laughs> wasn't wasn't pressured enough by Asamoah who's Who? been Asamoah for Inter, no, who's before. been... Sorry? The Colombian. There you go. There you go, I've got it. Now, you know, I don't think he was pressured enough by Asamoah, who's been wonderful for, for Inter at the times this season. And actually, Blaise Matweedy, his passing was off a little this uh, this evening, and Kadira was, was almost as non-existent as Bernardeschi, which I think was reflected in the fact that he and Matuidi were substituted by, by Sari. Um, but yeah, certainly at the start of the season, if you thought that team was going to go to San Siro the way, well, let's say not necessarily the way that they're playing, but with the with the results that Inter have picked up, you would have feared for them. But somehow they just got over the line tonight. And it, when I when I think about it from a man to man by man performance perspective, I, I can't I can't
4: kind of work out how they did. No, nor can I. But this is Juve, isn't it? And no matter what facelift they've had in the summer they can still do this it's a little bit depressing actually I, I was watching this game in my apartment I just got back from Bologna in time and I knew that Cristiano Ronaldo was gonna score before he did well not really I was watching on a stream and I was a little bit delayed and obviously there's a Juve fan in my building that I didn't know about before tonight and all I heard was the "su" shout and then I thought oh no and then Cristiano got his goal and he did it again but then obviously it was disallowed and I was very, very happy because that shout is one of the worst things in football at the Cristiano,
0: moment. Cristiano Ronaldo actually impressed me this evening. Yeah? Because when I've watched him in Syria for the last, what, nearly 18 months, I've always felt he's not quite, you know, his final sort of level because I think he is so much better than, let's say, two-thirds of the, of the defenders in the league. Yet tonight, from the very first whistle, it was almost as though he looked at Inter and thought, "I'm gonna knock you off of whatever, you know, sort of perch they sat on at the moment, looking down, thinking they're unbeatable." It was it was interesting to see the just just how he was going about his business from the very first uh, whistle.
4: It was quite a different Cristiano we saw tonight, Vito, wasn't it? It was, and it's good to see him get involved
5: in the overall play because. Uh, he does have the technical ability. Probably some of the other breaks of the game are probably more polished than what he is, but it was uh, important for him to combine with teammates. And he did have a good hand in Higuain's goal as well. I think he played a pass to, I think it was Benton Krui from if I'm not mistaken, before Higuain put the ball in the back of the net. Mm. So... It's good that uh, he's able to get involved in those uh, exchange of passes, especially in tight areas, because uh, it just adds another dimension to his overall game, and uh, it's uh, better for the team that uh, he's not the guy that's going to be finishing off the final moves. He can be more involved in the construction of
4: play. Guys, have either of you been on Twitter in the last hour or ninety minutes? I have. Have you seen Juventus's tweet?
0: Uh, oh, Oops. is that the video one? We
4: did it again. It started. Oh, yes.
0: it started the video
4: started <laughs> rolling and I ignored it. <laughs> this is funny. This is very, very funny. Um, I'm actually seeing a new side event this season that I quite like because obviously Dov Scrivano pointed out when he was at Juve, was it for the Champions League game? I can't remember. But obviously Inter's big thing this season is not for everyone and Juve put up the the ad going around their stadium saying Juventus membership is for everyone uh, they denied that actually when Dov asked them that that was anything to do with Inter but come on we know it was and um, then they did actually hint to Dov that look out on Sunday night we've got something coming obviously just knowing they were going to win and then, and then they did this I think this is very funny uh, more of this please Juventus people because I know you do actually listen to the podcast so Keep doing that, we very much enjoy that. um what else do we want to talk about from this game? I had some more points put down. Ah Matthias delict he He gave away a penalty, and I don't really know why he did it, but he was shaky again kev
0: yeah he was i I think we've we, we have to we just have to give him credit for his age, yeah for coming to a new country even you know he's, he's his first time i imagine living out of his outside his country not knowing where he was living before he sort of came on came to prominence with ajax and uh, and it is the top top level uh, that he's being asked to play at at the moment and it it was it was silly unnecessary to sort of jump in with his arm i think he, he almost matched how martinez was kind of jumping into the challenge um, both at chest height, and I think he was a little unfortunate, but you know, he is young. He will learn, hopefully. He is yeah. a talent.
4: Yeah, good. I, I wanted uh, one of you to say something bad about him, so then I could say something good, but Kev, you took the sensible approach, which was which was good of you. So that's Serie A's top two. Who's sitting third in Serie A? Oh, there they are again. It's Atalanta. They're back in Bergamo. They're back winning. They beat Lecce 3-1 and back to business, Vito.
5: Yes, back to business and, uh, of course, uh, it was the usual suspect, at least for the <laughs> first two goals. Durban Zapata uh, scored after Fabio Luciani error, but it was a well-taken strike and had a bit of force into it as well. And then he was involved in the
4: second goal, which was scored by Pablo Gomez. Mm. Well, you say the first two goals. Robin Gosens is becoming one of the usual suspects. That's his third goal of the season. Obviously, he scored at Spali, he scored at Sassuolo, both games I was at. And now he scored today. Gasparini has unleashed him. Yeah, there's something about
5: Gasparini that since he's been at Atalanta, he's been able to create these goal scoring wing backs. In his first season, it was Andrea Conti and Leonardo Spinazzola chipped in with a few goals, but probably not as much as Conti. Then since those two departed, it's been uh, Gozens and uh, Timothy Castagne that uh, have contributed with the goals. So I think it's uh, vital that you don't just rely on your forwards for goals. If you have other avenues, use them. And under Gasparini, Atalanta certainly have had that.
4: Yeah, for sure. Don't forget Big Hans Hathabur as well. He loves a a goal on the right, especially last season anyway. Yet to see it as much this year. Kev, this was a win they very much needed after the Champions League heartbreak in midweek that came with the last kick of the game. They needed a big result, and Lecce could have proven tricky customers, but it wasn't the bait.
0: Yeah, Lecce were looking at a, a third straight um, win on the road in Serie a. Um I think I would still be... The thing with Atalanta is they're always going to score lots of goals, but their defending for the Leche goal was non-existent, which is obviously a concern, particularly if you're going to try and tighten up at the back for those Champions League games. Because it was just naivety and inexperience, wasn't it, that that allowed Shakhtar to sort of steal those three points um, on Wednesday?
4: I think it was almost them trying to exert too much control on the game because they seemed to be almost running the clock down before launching one last attack so that Shakhtar wouldn't have the time to counter them. But then they made the mistake and Shakhtar just got in. It was deflating. And in the mixed zone after that game, all of the players were so just burst, like completely broken. Martin Darun was chatting to a a friend of Dov's he, we were beside him, Aaron Deckers, he's speaking in Dutch, basically. He only stopped for an interview with him because he knows him for being Dutch. And then the Atalanta press office was like, OK, we've got to go and do Sky now. And Drew was just like, I, no, I don't want to. And he just left. And then all of the players, with the exception of Pierluigi Gallini, just trotted through and went home. And Josef Ilicic walked through like a ghost as well, which you can understand, given he missed a penalty and probably had his worst game of the season. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the Champions League. He says with great relief but not keeping a clean sheet is going to be a concern because you saw how much they celebrated against Roma and it's something that they need to start doing a little bit more often but I don't know, we've spoken about that before something that I don't think we've spoken about enough to be honest with you is Duvan Zapata he's phenomenal I know obviously he's very very good and it's no secret that he's been quite good for what, a year now since last October November that he started scoring goals but Vito, more needs to be made of just how good he's been because he's so reliable every single week.
5: Based on his Serie A performances, he definitely deserves more recognition. As I mentioned earlier, he did score the first goal and he did create Papu's goal. But he's really blossomed since joining Atalanta originally when he arrived in Italy and played for Napoli and with the I saw him as more or less of a tree trunk or just a striker that would just stay in the box. But he's become a far more complete striker under Gasparini. He looks far more mobile, can cover a lot more ground, and he's happy to drift to the wings when necessary. So as a Serie A striker, uh, I think he's superb and, deserves more recognition. Unfortunately, I do think that uh, I think some better results in the Champions League might do his reputation a lot more. So he did score against Shakhtar and he was a nice header. But uh, I think in the next four games in the Champions League, I think he needs to keep adding to that tally and then Europe and the rest of the world will notice him a lot more. But it's going to be a, Massive task bullet, they uh,
4: are. If Atalanta are going to get knocked out of the Champions League, I don't want the Zapata to score a single other goal in the group stage because he'll get stamped up. But looking at the league table, they are third, 16 points from their opening seven games, two points behind Inter in second. What was the fuss about? They've only drawn one and lost one. I don't know why people were freaking out earlier this season. This is a team who don't start seasons well traditionally, so <laughs> it's kind of brightening to think what they could actually go on to achieve again this year if they can do as they have done in recent seasons and only build and improve as the season goes on but anyway Kev back to Milan the San Siro all all four sides of the San Siro can breathe easily now because the crisis at Milan is over they beat Genoa 2-1
3: yeah
0: I wouldn't quite say that the uh, the the crisis is over
4: but Kev they beat Genoa (laughs) 2-1 (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, they beat Genoa two one, <laughs> and, the, and that they, wing also, they, wing. they also they also nearly didn't do that. You know, they did a bar, though. Bar of Pepe Rainer, yeah, yeah, I think um, I think they do need to just take it with a bit of a pinch of salt. Um, there's still there's still issues there. Um, it was industrious, you know, until probably Raphael Liao came on and, and, and gave him a little bit more uh, ingenuity up front, and you know, and drive. Um, but the fact that in, until Paqueta and Liao came on, they were looking at going down blind alleys again and, and struggling probably indicates that Gianpaolo still hasn't quite sort of got it right there. Why, why do you have to
4: be so negative? Poor Marco. He got his win. He went back to Liguria and he ran away with three points. And you best believe he probably ran with those points as soon as that final whistle went. But come on.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
0: No, no, I, I can't. <laughs> because I, I really can't. I, I hate to be pessimistic, but it's like. He, he, you know, Vito's been saying it for weeks about getting some of the new blood in. Yet he went straight back to Billia and Bonaventura.
4: There was something about this, you know, because he Bonaventura, I can kind of understand him starting. I don't know. Just inject something of a feel-good attitude. Bonaventura works and he's quite good as well. And he tends to score important goals for Milan when he plays. But who else was... The... Piontek and who else came off at halftime?
5: Is it Chalunoglu? Chalunoglu.
4: Right, Chalunoglu. Yeah,
5: Chalunoglu.
4: I got the impression that he was kind of hamstrung into starting them because it was almost as if halftime came and he said, all right, they're off now. Here come Leao and uh, Pacqueta. And they changed the game. The two of them. So it will be interesting to see a starting eleven next week, and if if Leal and Paqueta play, okay, we'll see how they can impact the game together from the start. They have only got Lecce. not next week. Though, sorry, after the international the, break, they've got lecture, so you'd expect them to win that. But I don't know. Um, I do agree. <laughs> they were bad, and, and I mean they were really, really bad. They just happened to not be the worst team on the pitch. Um, and they scraped out the win. But, yeah, I don't know. Milan fans, will speak to in a month, see what the situation is. But speaking of layout, Vito, he's quite a tricky customer. He shot it against Inter and he shot it again.
5: He looks very mobile for someone of his height and build,
4: but he's actually got
5: quite excellent feet. So really like the way he moves and controls the ball. Uh, Last week, he scored an excellent consolation goal in the 3-1 defeat to Fiorentina. And I think in this particular game, he really made a difference. I think Giampaolo, assuming that he still has a job after the international break, needs to utilise him a lot more because he does add an extra dimension to the play. He adds a bit of extra unpredictability. And he looks like a player that's willing to prove himself. I mean, there are the usual suspects that sort of coast along and we end up criticising them week in, week out. But being a new face at the club, Leal looks like a man who really wants to prove his worth at Milan and show the Rossoneri fans and hierarchy that he deserves to be
4: at the club and he wants to lift them higher up the table. Kev, while me, Vito, and my friend Pete were out for a drink in Parma on Thursday night, we were discussing Pepe Reina, okay? And my friend Pete is a Liverpool fan, and he was speaking about how Reina can make these big saves that win you matches. And I said, yeah, 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 like he's good, but you can never trust him, because he always has a mistake in him. And if ever there was one performance that perfectly summed up a man's entire career, it was this one. He, he disappeared. He turned into a ghost for Genoa's opener. Then he gave away the penalty and then he saved the penalty. What a guy.
0: No, I, I don't think you can. You know, <laughs> I, as, as a fellow Liverpool fan, I won't let you get away with that. Um, he, he was, I think in his first three seasons in England, he, was, he kept the most clean sheets without, without sort of, um, well, he won an FA Cup in his first season. I think that's a little. Cru- I think that's a little cruel in him. I think we've got to bear in mind. And actually, I met him on a flight back from Barcelona once. In the um, anyway, but and, he, and he's a very he nice. And he's a very nice man. So I will not um, talk ill of him. I think I think you you have to allow that he's come straight into the team. You know, as as much as you're training every week, it's 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 slightly different when you're then thrown in after playing what a handful of games in the last couple of years. Um. Although, uh, as I was watching the game, that mistake he made, which it was a mistake for the uh, for the shown a free kick, he'd actually fumbled a couple of chances before yeah. that. You almost saw <laughs> it coming. Um, and, yeah, I I, I I just can't. I just can't talk ill of the man. Um, Donnarumma clearly is on an upward trajectory and he's always going to be number one there. But that is a decent backup to have that most our um, sides would be would be happy to have. And actually, in the summer when we were looking at someone to replace Mignolet coming back to Liverpool, it's it's a name that always gets sort of circulated in the media again to come back.
4: Yeah, you know, well, to... he loves that, doesn't he? He he loves not being a first choice goalkeeper. He won the World Cup with Spain as cheerleader. He moved to Bayern Munich to be backup, and then he was sick of playing every week at Napoli, so he went to Milan to be backup again. He he loves it. But, no, I don't doubt that he's a lovely guy. He seems like it. Um, but, come on, he makes too many mistakes to be playing for a big club, which I suppose is probably why he's at Milan. But don't say that too loudly or we'll get in big, big trouble. Where are we going next? Ah, we'll go. We'll come here to me in Emilia Romagna, but go down the road about an hour on the train to Bologna. What a match. They drew 2-2 with Lazio. There were four goals, three goal scorers, two red cards, a penalty missed, a goal ruled out by Vahar. And Sinisa Mihailovic was back. He was given hospital clearance this morning to go to the game. And they also celebrated their 110-year anniversary. So just a couple of talking points from the Dallara today. Uh, but first things first, Kev, Bologna played in green. Are you okay?
0: Uh, well, now I can ask the question is, was that to do with the 110th anniversary? Did they
4: originally yes. start in green? No, they didn't originally start in green, but they won their first Scudetto in 1925. And when they won it, guess what color shirt they were wearing, Kev?
0: They were wearing sure. green.
4: They were. Uh, and for if you're watching on YouTube,
0: photo. you've we got blur on this.
4: your background. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. But is it not in the center? Well, well everyone uh, in the press area was given a little book. Called La Maglia Verde, the green shirt, and it's a nice little okay. book. There's a little story about how they wore green, and there's nice little animations. And yeah, I had a nice little read of that on my train back.
0: It's good. Yeah, I can't. I can't say I still allow it. Why? I don't know. I just think you should have more respect and uh, in your in your home <sighs> colours that you wear.
4: I'm sick of you, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> I think someone else did it this weekend, actually, but I can't remember.
0: Well, what also annoyed me was then why did Lazio play in their away kit?
4: Because I don't with... think I don't think blue and green are allowed. Oh, come I think on. that might be a thing. I I know because Lazio don't even really wear blue, right? They wear the sky yeah, blue. Um, sky blue. Yeah, I know football is a bit dumb though. But Lazio's away kit is beautiful. To be fair, um, Bologna. It was a great day. So Niza was back. He he really doesn't look well. I know obviously he's not and he's been through a lot, but it, it's striking when you see him kind of up close in person. It hits you a little bit more than just seeing him on TV and seeing him walk down the touchline and even kind of wander around his, his technical area was a bit, it was kind of hard to look away from him at times, but it's a great game and it seemed like his presence lifted everyone in the stadium, including the Bologna players. The Lazio fans even sang for him and gave him an ovation. A um, friend of Forza Italian football, Alessio De Giuseppe, was at a walk that was organized between both sets of fans in Bologna today. They kind of just walked around the city celebrating Mihailovic. I'm not quite sure of the intricacies of why it happened or where it happened, but it was right for half an hour this morning, so I didn't get down there for that having been in Ferrari yesterday and being a little bit tired. But it was a good game. Good results. Will Will Lazio be happy with this? A 2-2 draw away at Bologna, considering they went down to 10 men and went behind twice, Vito?
5: No, I don't think so. I think the main sticking point would be Joaquin Correa's penalty. miss. just to make that penalty against the crossbar. Uh, considering the results that they have got in previous campaigns not just in this one so far uh, these are the kind of results they still need to get so any dropped points I think it's you know just one step less away from a potential Champions League spot and it's results like these although it's early in the season they could really make an impact on whether they do actually make the Champions League if they yeah. got to settle with a Europa League spot again.
4: Yeah, well, they are currently sixth behind both Roma and Napoli um, in the Europa League spots. Kev, are you OK? You pull the face.
0: I, I, I pulled it. Well, firstly, I'll say I think Lazio can be fairly... Not happy, but um, not too disheartened by taking a point from Bologna. It's a difficult place to go. You've got the emotion around Mihailovic, and they were, they've been playing some nice football before their last couple of games. I pulled my face because... Um, I, unfortunately I had the joy of watching the early game and then the 5pm game and I only got to see the two o'clock games via highlights and they did not show the Korea missed penalty on the highlights so I <laughs> had no was,
4: idea it existed I'll tell you what's happened there and it's the type of thing that match reporters fall victim of as well they had those highlights compiled before the 90th minute because Korea's penalty was in the 88 so they probably would have needed to go somewhere on the 90s so that's probably why they weren't included yeah, but yeah um, a fun fact on this Rodrigo Palacio right he's into his third season at Bologna and guess how many home goals he scored for them Kev that's probably his
0: first but I'm going to say three one a season okay. let's say he gets one a season
4: alright Vito how many home goals for Bologna has Rodrigo Palacio the loved player scored for them <laughs>
5: I I think I saw three as well.
4: Today was his first home goal for Bologna in three seasons. And he's played 32 times at the Dallara as a Bologna player. And they love him. It's mad. (laughs) When he signed, they basically kissed the ground he walked on because he's a World Cup finalist and all of that. Did he win the Champions League? No, that would have been before he went there. But anyway, the Bologna fans adore him. And he finally got his first goal which I was quite happy to see, and he nearly made a mess of it. I'm sure you saw this in your highlights package. Um, The ball came back from a rebound, and it came to him, and he was very, very calm, almost overly so, and he took a touch and basically invited Strakosha to get back up and cover his goal again, and he prodded it, and it managed to squirm its way in, but I was happy. Everyone was happy, and Palacio's up and running at the Dallara three years later. Congratulations, Rodrigo. Do we have anything else? Achero oh, Mobile scored twice. Is he Italy's best striker, Vito?
5: Look, he's the best striker in Serie A at the moment because he has scored seven goals, but I've lost a lot of faith when it comes to the Azzurri squad. So, look, you might pick him based on four, but I don't think he's a guy that Roberto Mancini can depend on or focus his Euro 2020 campaign on.
4: That's a shame, isn't it? It's weird.
5: There's some players that have great club careers, but uh, when it comes to the national team, they're a bit underwhelming. I mean, even the Sampdoria and Juventus legend Gianluca Viali, such a great club career, but uh, his record with uh, Italy, especially major tournaments, was rather underwhelming, so... You know, Chiru Immobile is not the first one to be in these circumstances.
3: Yeah,
0: I was going to make that same point, Vito. I think people get a little bit hung up on players, not necessarily just for the national team, but when they go elsewhere and fail. I think that's why some players do stay where they are when they just find that it clicks at a certain club. And obviously, he did also have this at Torino. Um, and I think Lazio should be grateful for what they've got because, you know, today he was clinical when he when as soon as he stepped inside that 18 yard box. Um
4: you hate goalkeepers, Kev. Skorupsky was poor. He should have saved the first was, one.
0: Yeah, he was certainly poor for the first one. I don't hate goalkeepers, but yeah, when they when they make more mistakes than Pepe Reina, then uh
4: What do you mean you do hate <laughs> goalkeepers. I didn't realise that was something you denied. I mean that is so obvious that you hate goalkeepers.
0: I I just hate mistakes. The goalkeeper makes more than outfield players and uh, so be it. Uh,
4: I have a striker who should be in the Italy squad, guys. He didn't play in today's game, but I did see him this weekend. Any idea who it is? Mm -hmm. Big Andrea Patagna. Why is he not there? Because looking at the Italy squad, there's Grifo, Immobile and Bellotti. They're the only strikers in the team. How's Patagna not getting in there?
5: It's a bit bizarre. I mean, uh, yeah, maybe not so much based on this squad, but when I've seen in previous squads that Kevin Lasagna got picked yeah. and he's captain of Udinese, but he couldn't score to save his life. I mean, justifies logic. I mean, I mean, you just really wonder what do coaches see in him. Whereas with Petagna, he does have the work ethic, but since joining Spa, he's really added the goals to his game. And he scored the solitary goal against Parma on Saturday afternoon. So you've got to pick guys that are in form. And he's 24 now, so it's not like he's a late, late bloomer or anything. He's a player that, you know, he can fit into the team now and he can still be seen as a long-term prospect. So bringing him in, see what he's like, and also... See how he can combine with all the other members of the squad.
4: The best thing about his goal against Parma was it was his only chance. Yeah, he had one chance and he scored it. And that's exactly what you need when you're playing at any level. Players like Patania. But the big talking point from this was that Leonardo Semplici celebrated his 200th game on the style bench. Kevy's the longest serving coach in Serie A by a considerable distance. I think by about a year and a half. Giampiero Gasparini is second, about a month ahead of Simone Zaghi in third. You've got to give Semplici credit for lasting that long in the job.
0: Oh, absolutely. And is that more or less games on the bench than Pepe Reina? (laughs)
4: Throughout the whole (laughs) career, probably, to be honest.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I think, um, you know, what he's done for that club, um, because I think when you come up, maybe owners can have delusions of grandeur and where you should be then punching maybe above your weight and then make knee-jerk reactions and get rid of coaches um so i think as you, you give them a little bit of credit for that but also for him for maybe um keeping expectations on the ground Um because what well, that was only their second win of the season yep um, and we we've not really heard about them looking to offload him so i think he's He's doing a good job just to, with what he's done with spell and also just to keep everybody's, everybody's feet on the ground.
4: They all love him, There, The Curvo of Est held up a banner that thanked him and saluted his passion, ambition, loyalty and something else. I can't remember what the word was. And then they said, you've written the story of this city, which, which is a line that's actually quite big for one man who's involved with the football team to say, you have written the story of this city in Italy. That's big. But they do love him. You can't imagine he's going to go anywhere. I did write about Leonardo Semplici and Spal. His contract is until 2021. You can't imagine he's going to be given the boot anytime before then. And if anything, you could see him getting an extension. But this performance, what I wrote was that it perfectly epitomized what Semplici Spal are at their very, very best. They They fought, they were aggressive, they were organized, and they were clinical and threatening whenever they countered. So head over to the website and read that because it's nice to write about the other clubs every once in a while, especially Spal, I like them. But while we're speaking about this, I did do some maths on Andrea Patania, and he scored 20 goals in 45 games for Spal, which works out at 0.4 per game. Before he joined Spal, Kev, he played 139 first-team games and he only scored 19 goals, averaging 0.13 per game. Spal suits him so so well, and Semplici deserves credit for getting the best out of him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's where you find a coach that gets, or gets a little bit more out of some of his parts. You know, maybe they're they're built to to play towards Pata尼亚, and this is also where you kind of I know you're talking about the Italian national team, but sometimes when a club is sort of playing everything towards that one or two players. Then you take them out of that environment, and they not don't get shown up necessarily at that high level. But it does doesn't work for them, and it's not beneficial for them. It's not beneficial for the country, and you've got to try and get that unit. But you can't really always pick the players on form for a national team because the actual side has to work as a as a team, not as a eleven of the best individuals on the pitch.
4: Do national sides ever work as a team unless they're just setting up to the fan?
0: I, I think over, you know, historically, if you look at the, the, the well, I suppose the great teams of the last decade, maybe 15 years, look at the the French side that had the, the 22 to 23 players that won the World Cup and the European Championships, bar maybe three or four changes, that squad was together for three to four years. And the same with the Spain squad that won two European championships. Right. And a World the, Cup.
4: The Spain thing's a little bit different though, because they all just played for Barcelona, right? So yeah. So to the,
0: to the French, the French side where there were maybe at most three players at one club, you'd think Henri, Petit and Vieira, Arsenal, mm. um, you know, a couple at Monaco, whatever. But I think keeping that nucleus of the same side, particularly if they're all in the same age bracket as well, and they go through sort of the journey together, can can be really, really um, useful. <laughs> Probably not the right word, but uh, prosperous, maybe, if you're looking to develop something long term um, and win um, a major championship.
4: Mm. Yeah, anyway, last international chart. i just realized we're getting a break next week, which makes me very, very happy. Um, I love you guys, but sometimes they need it. Roma Cagliari won each. Was it a penalty for Cagliari veto?
5: Yeah, I think it was just the way the not just the way the ball hit the arm, but just how the arm was far from the body. So especially under the current ruling or the new ruling for the handball, I think. You usually see those given, so, yeah, I think you'd have to give that as a penalty. I don't think there's too much of an argument on that.
4: Kev, two points dropped for Roma, or or Cagliari going to be the type of team who do this?
5: I think think
0: Cagliari can be the type of team that do this, but Roma being at home, um, I think you have to say that it was two points lost. You know, they, there wasn't a lot within the highlights that I saw that suggested that Cagliari were matching Roma
4: now, I thought you were going to continue that sentence and you stopped really early so it really threw me off guard and now I don't know what to say so we're just going to move on to the next game but Cagliari are seventh, which is quite nice can they challenge yeah, for uh,
0: Europe and, and dare I say we should praise Robin Olsen because he actually made some <gasps> yeah. uh, good is saves. Is this two in weeks time. in a row? Yeah. I saw someone I saw someone tweet actually about the, the amount of narratives that there were potential potentially around this game. There was Nangelan going back to uh to Roma. You had Olsen obviously also going back uh to Roma. None none really sort of played out um from the game. But uh but yeah, Olsen was probably the only one that got close to that because he made a couple of crucial saves at the end.
4: Mm. Well, just below Cagliari Fiorentina. They beat Udinese 1-0, but Vedo, they did need a very, very late, well, not very late, but a quite late set-piece. And they had it from Milankovic to win it for them.
5: Yes, they did. Um, yeah, they had a few chances. Even with uh, Udinese themselves had a few, but I think with the quality Fiorentina has at the moment and the good run that they've generated, I think that's they deserve to win anyway, and they might not be raking in the goals every week, but at the moment, I think they're just happy to be getting the three points, especially after the horrible start Vincenzo Montella had his had on his return as Fiorentino
4: coach. Yeah, it's true. You say they're not scoring goals, Cap. They haven't got a striker. They need a striker.
0: Yeah, they are they are short of something to sort of aim at, and then you know, we just discussed Cagliari, who have got uh, Giovanni Simeone there,
3: mm.
0: you know, and, and Fiorentina let him let him leave. I know he wasn't he wasn't he was struggling certainly last the back end of last season at Fiorentina, but without I'm assuming Kevin Prince Boateng is injured. Um. Not, I watched this game. I don't remember, don't remember seeing him on the pitch. But, You know, that's somewhere you think you could could at least spearhead the attack. I think mean, the problem with this with this game, when I say I sort of watched it, is oh, it was tiring. And sort of we had we had Udinese beating Bologna last week, and then they they drew with Verona the week before. And as it got to about the sixty minute mark, I thought to myself, are Udinese? dragging the opposition down to their level and then managing to sort of scrape points or scrape victories because i, I don't know what it's about they just seem to drain the life out of most football matches
4: mm. well that's what i've been doing i say after the last i don't know maybe four seasons but now prince was on the bench he didn't come on so that's why you don't remember him seeing him on the pitch because he was never on the pitch but I don't want to talk about this game anymore. Torino Napoli nil nil. Vieri Capretta was there, and he doesn't even want to talk about it. So we're we're not going to talk about it. But Napoli are stumbling a little bit more than they probably should be. Kev,
0: uh, yeah, I saw someone say they'd made a lot of changes, but I don't think it. I don't <laughs> think it changes the fact that even similar to Genkin midweek that they were just struggling to be. Inventive or create many chances um, in attack.
4: Why is that? Because that's the one thing they have, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, you'd think so. You know, they've got all that attacking talent. I do. I did question when they had Milik and Lorente uh, up front together for one of the games. I think that was actually the week Ken, before the Champions League ties. Oh. But it actually seemed to work that week. So I think it was when they smashed. Let chain or someone, yeah. Um, but yeah, you'd think if anything, that's what they're going to do. They 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 would almost be at Atalanta, you'd be less worried about them going forward and more yeah. worried about them conceding. If anything,
4: well, they did make a couple of changes, but in their starting 11, they still had Insignia, Merton, Zielinski, Alan, and Fabian Ruiz, so you'd expect that would we'll be other carve out chances against the, a Torino who aren't their usual selves this season. I mean, I saw them at Parma and they were pretty, pretty poor. They don't look all that defensively solid, but Vieri said they were today. But um, next thing, Verona 2. Vito, what happened to Sampdoria in Verona? Because this is the type of game... Kev, stop smiling. Is Vito gone?
0: No, Vito, that's what I'm smiling about. Vito disappeared about two seconds ago. Vito... Vito was that's dropped how little we want to
4: talk about it he saw what was coming and he left um Wow, well, he's kind of hung us out to dry there but Sampdoria did lose away to Verona so Kev Vito's abandoned us a but we can laugh at it but yeah. no, nah, Sampdoria are in serious trouble
0: the only highlight they showed from the first half was the goal which is an awful piece of defending from Sampdoria because they just they just let him sort of not even not even take a run into the box to meet the header. He almost jumped from a standing position and headed past um, Ordero. And then the, the the second goal for Hellas Verona was equally poorly defended, and ugh, they just look like they've run out of ideas. They you know whether Di Francesco isn't getting his thoughts across. Um, I just I can't see him.
3: Well, actually, I think. Was that? that? was just me again for a minute. For you,
0: no, it
4: happened on my end too. I don't know what that was. Quickly, let's get this done. Before... Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I
0: would be. Su- I would not be surprised if D' Francesco walks away before the transfer. Uh, the international break is complete.
4: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised about that at all either because he he's not really got much time for him at all this year. We. What do we need to talk about before we finish? I can't... Uh, Sassuolo Brescia. postponement. Ah, Sassuolo Brescia was postponed. And there were moments silences held all over Serie A this weekend because of Sassuolo president, George S. Quincy, passed away in the week. Uh, He wasn't a young man. He was 76 years old when he passed. But he deserves enormous credit for what Sassuolo became under him because they're now a very established Serie A side and hats off to them and condolences to everyone at Sassuolo and everyone around the squinty family and anyone who knew them. Any more to say about that Kev?
0: I think you touched on it I think the fact that since he purchased the club in 2002 they've become a a staple of our Serie A diet and the fact that we probably I can't remember the last time we spoke about them as a relegation candidate when we've been doing our previews. I think that's, that's how well he's, he's done at, at making them that uh, cemented in the, in the top flight.
4: Yeah, they kind of took to it like a duck to water. And it goes back to Di Francesco and the team that he had there. We spoke about it off air. Nicola Sansone, Domenico Baradi, Simone Zaza. Now they got players like Alfred Duncan who could probably play for Atalanta or a Champions League team, to be honest with you. They signed very, very well. And they give players chances similarly to the club that you all know I'm going to say, so I won't say them.
0: Yeah, I also think that the coaching, I think the coaching decisions that they make as well, I mean, because we've seen how how easily someone like Sam, who we were just discussing, suddenly the coaching change throws a club into all sorts of chaos. Uh, and they just seem to have everything right from a, um up, up. Yeah,
4: an organza- an organisational perspective yes. they can look forward and see what they need to do and how they can continue what's already been happening and what's been going well yeah absolutely so condolences to everyone associated with Saswalo. let's stop this here Kev shall we before it cuts out on us Vito's been lost to Skype you and I have managed to battle on so thank you very much for joining me this week pleasure and You're welcome for allowing you to join me this week, Kev. Anyway, head over to ForzaItalianFootball.com, everybody. Read all of the stuff we've had published. There's going to be stuff going up again tomorrow and throughout the international break as well, which I'm very, very happy is here. You won't be hearing from us next week, so if you do want to know our thoughts, you can get us on our social media channels or just go to the website and read what we write because we always write. Kev, are you going to write something this week?
0: uh yes you need to give me a feature (laughs) i was i'm looking i'm looking at my notes on the weekend now and trying to work out what it could be okay
4: um right let me let us discuss this offer thanks for listening everybody we'll speak to you in two weeks enjoy your week off we love you goodbye
5: ciao ciao
3: il cuore a strisce portaci dove vuoi verso le tue conquiste dove tu hai... No, no.
4: got them <laughs> for once kev it's not you i was hoping one of you would bite and you did um thanks for finishing my sentence for me you're welcome hello good evening <laughs> no, i'm not ready oh.
2: I it.